Go ahead. I, I, I hope I hope I asked the right things there. No, that was good. Just stupid beat roots. Okay. Give me a heads up on that. Um, whatever. <laughs> uh, I didn't even have that one. I didn't have a note on that anywhere. I just thought of it off the top of my head. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of Clinical Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Reese. For more information, check out clinicalathletes.com. And just an FYI, in the first few minutes of this podcast, you'll be hearing the word podcast a whole lot. All right, well, welcome to our first podcast of Clinical Athletes. My name is Ken Reese. I'm going to be the host of this podcast. It's my first attempt at a podcast, so I hope it's something interesting for you. The goal of this podcast, we'll discuss it a little bit later, and I thought to turn the tables a little bit, I would introduce myself via an interviewer. So I've uh, asked my younger brother, Tim Reese, a renowned radio DJ in the Edmonton area, to do a brief little interview on me. But I thought before I did that, I'd turn the tables, ask Tim some questions as well. So Tim, welcome to our first podcast. Hey, thanks for letting me be part of this. And yeah, renowned. That's funny. I think you forgot affable as well. Affable, and yes. <laughs> We're avoiding and, and, any I'm... words with more than three syllables. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But yeah, no, this is uh, this is gonna be fun. I haven't done anything, you know, interview or radio related in years, so I don't know. At my end, I'm probably gonna be a little bit rusty, but we'll see how it goes. Okay, well, I'm excited to hear about that. Uh, first, I wanted to ask you a few things. So you mentioned you've been out of radio for a little while, but how long were you in radio? Uh, Fifteen years. Fifteen years, yeah, I... and I imagine in that time the industry has changed quite a bit. It, you know what? It honestly has. Uh, when I started in radio, it was like there was uh, someone in the studio 24 hours a day, any time of day, and you'd play like every song on a CD, and you'd have to actually press play on each song on the CD player. And uh, now, now everything's on computers, so totally different. But uh, so when you worked, it was kind of like uh, midway between WKRP in Cincinnati and uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yes, exactly, right? I mean, when I was in radio, you'd talk to the old school guys talking, about, oh, yeah, I had to queue up songs on records with uh, needles and stuff. And it's like, ooh, that seems so old school. But now old school is actually pressing play on a CD player. Ah, excellent. So after uh, your radio career, you moved on. What are you up to now? Now I work at uh, CN. So I've exchanged uh, radio stations for train stations. So now I uh, just travel between Edmonton and pretty much, I don't know, anywhere around like central Alberta, Wainwright, Edson, uh, Red Deer-ish area, yeah. Nice. Okay, so you get to see taking, a lot of Western Canada. Yeah, taking trains back and forth. It's kind of a neat view, right? There's a lot of places where I know how to get to by rail, but I wouldn't be able to drive there, though. <laughs> That's awesome. You know the shortcuts then. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. But it's fun. No, it's kind of a neat job, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 to add to that, yeah, one of the one of the best jobs as well that you have now is is being a dad. And I think you've yeah. uh, you've mentioned on many occasions that family get-togethers. I love seeing you and your kids and your lovely wife. So what are the kids up to? Oh, thank you. Uh, well, now they're at home every day, which is, uh, it, it, it can be a bit of a challenge because I'm like, uh, I'm the boy's play buddy. 
So when when I'm not working, I come home and we're outside playing street hockey or we're uh, playing uh, NHL 20 on the Xbox or, you know, I, with daily, you know, it's going for walks. She, she really wants to ride her bike. So she's really waiting for the snow to melt. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's keeping me busy having the kids at home. Uh, yeah, um, just to, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, one of the reasons I decided to start this was I wanted to learn a new skill during the COVID-19 uh, quarantine. So Tim referring to the kids being home is that we're all here now in our houses trying to physically distance ourselves from everyone apart from our family members. And yes, I must that's say, right. I forgot to mention that. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, and so I've got uh, myself. I might come up later, but I've got I've got two boys as well, which are uh, in their 19 and 21. So um, you know, I pretty much have the house to myself until noon or one o'clock, but when then they start to roll out of bed. Noon or one, nice. It would be nice. It is. All right. <laughs> Uh, Tim, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, again, the goal of this podcast, the intro, was to uh, get the listeners a chance to get to know me and, and maybe find out what the podcast is about from a little different perspective. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So, like, what what I'm thinking about, you know, I, like going back to the beginning, right? Like when we were kids growing up on the uh, in the in the south side there of Edmonton. I I remember like, okay, I remember you skiing and getting a job at the bike shop and you were cycling a lot. I think I remember going out watching like a crit race, like a mill woods ish area or not. I don't know. I could be wrong, but anyways, I was there with mom and dad anyways. Okay. So could you let us know like more specifically, like, uh, how, how you got to where you are now, like growing up, what kind of sports you were into, uh, growing up and then how you got into like triathlon, Ironman stuff. And then, uh, all those endurance sports. Yeah, you bet. Well, as you mentioned, I think when we we're all kids, uh, for the listeners or possibly the listener, uh, when Tim and well, Tim and I have two other brothers as well. Uh, I'm the third youngest, and Tim is the youngest. Uh, and so you remember, John was playing hockey, and uh, my folks would drive him around all the time. And and so they said, well, hey, John. How about if we get everyone's skiing equipment? And and uh, so we all got skiing equipment one year, and we took up skiing. And I think you and I probably skied more than anyone else. Uh, yeah, and from there, uh, it seemed like a natural progression. You know, the the sporting goods stores would sell skis in the winter and then shift to bikes in the summer. So I really mm -hmm. got into cycling. Uh, and I did that from shortly after high school, and I still compete in bike races today. Then, oddly enough, during that time, um, I had met uh, at while well, I worked as a ski coach. I met a friend of mine. Uh, ended up marrying his sister. But one of the things he did was these Ironman triathlons, and I thought this would be a great thing. I got to try these things. It sounded like a lot of fun, uh, and I got into yeah into the triathlon scene probably in the early uh, 1990s. Uh, still at it today, still trying to fight age as much as I can. And uh, yeah, yeah, my swimming's coming along, my running's coming along, and I still have a real affinity for the cycling. It's one of my, my favorite event by far. Okay, so yeah, I, I know that you do a lot of the, uh, the uh, cycling, the swimming, 
the running because I'm on Strava and we follow each other on Strava and you're on there, you know, a lot. I, I check Strava out and, and it's like, oh, look, Ken just busted off another three hour ride. So I'm just curious, as far as Strava goes, that kind of thing, uh, you think it's a good a good tool for staying fit? I mean, personally, I, I love it because I think it puts you out there. But what are your thoughts on it? I think so too. I think one of the um, one, one of the things that makes you more accountable is making your 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 goals public. And maybe if you look at Strava as not necessarily a goal, but making what you're doing public. If I if someone knows that um, I've I've entered an Ironman and they want to see what the what the what the training entails, uh, then I feel accountable to that. It's interesting you say with Strava because I'm I'm addicted to it, and I, and I must say I'm I'm at a little different place than you are with your kids. Your kids are uh, is it 15 and 12 now? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 15 and 12. And and so once my youngest... I had youngest, to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, once my kids got to be 16, once Casey, my youngest, turned 16, then I have all this free time now, so a, a lot more free time than I had before. So it really does make a difference. So when you say I ripped off another three-hour ride, I sometimes wish I could take my kids to an event rather than do a three-hour ride, but I'm making the most of my downtime. But to answer your question, yeah, Strava, I find, is an amazing tool to keep, see what people are doing. And I love when pros will post their workouts, and you can see the difference between what we do, what we think is a lot, and then what actually is a lot. Yeah, you know, you're right. I, yeah, I follow a couple, and it's like, you look at their ride, and it's like, how is that even humanly possible, right? But I know, like the power outputs, right? You look at my power outputs or your power outputs, and then you look at, you know, an elite rider. Lionel Sanders is one of the guys that pops to mind. He doesn't seem to have trouble posting his stuff. And I'm like, I, you know, I can't hold his Iron Man power for more than a few minutes. It's... Is that right? Even that much of a difference for you? Wow, holy cow. Okay, so... flatter me. <laughs> Anyways, okay, hey, uh, back on track here. Okay, so um, you got a, you got your PhD in uh, rehabilitation science, right? Yeah, and you're at Nate now as a personal fitness trainer instructor. That is correct. Uh, which, yeah, very ambitious, by the way, uh, in my opinion. Well, I think this is... Sorry? No, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, oh, it, no, yeah okay. it, uh, you are correct yeah, with okay. my occupation. <laughs> Anyways, in my opinion, you know, this is like this is like your wheelhouse, right? This is like some is, is this something like you thought you've wanted to do like forever for a long time? Like maybe you could let us know a little bit more about, you know, the track you took to get here or the route you took to get here? Sure. Yeah, I I went to it took me a long time, I should say, to finish my my undergraduate at the University of Alberta, and I did that in physical education about that time one of the instructors one of the lab instructors um, who became a good friend of mine uh, I kept in touch with him after graduating uh, upon graduation uh, I got involved in a cardiac rehabilitation program my wife and I had moved to rural uh, Alberta and um, they were starting up a cardiac rehabilitation program there and I thought oh this is great I love the cardiac stuff you know and and um, so 
I, I've got a couple certifications. Um, the ACSM exercise specialist was one of them. And to maintain that certification, you had to do some continuing education. Living in rural Alberta, kind of pre-internet, um, certainly we had internet email, but nothing like it is now. Uh, I found an online university where I could do a master's degree. And uh, I bumped into uh, uh, Mark Haykowski, was my friend of mine, uh, at a conference one time. So I did get to go to a conference. And doing this master's degree to keep up my certifications, I was telling him about it. And he said, well, when you're done your master's, you should think about doing a PhD. And I'd never really thought about it. I'd never had the opportunity to, or option to look into it. And uh, I finished my master's and bumped into him again and just went through the whole application process, wondering how far I would get before my application was declined and I wouldn't be able to continue. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was approved and I got into the University of Alberta's uh, Rehabilitation Science Program in their Faculty of Rehabilitation Medicine. And again, working with Mark Haykowski, good friend of mine still, hope to have him on the show. He was always into cardiovascular health and I focused on kidney transplant recipients. Kidney transplant recipients are at a huge risk for cardiovascular disease for a variety of reasons. But uh, we looked at how exercise can reduce their cardiovascular disease risk factors. And that was kind of my thesis and uh, my ongoing program. So while working there, Mark had some other projects going on, particularly with heart failure and heart transplant recipients. And I got an opportunity to work with them as well. And it's just such an amazing population, the clinical people. And when I say clinical, I'm non-athletes, but they've got some kind of uh, impairment Take for instance, with a heart transplant, there's a variety of issues that go along with that that make them not respond to exercise like people with a native heart. Uh, and so devising exercise programs with them and doing different things with them and improving their fitnesses and making huge improvements in their quality of life uh, is, uh, it, it was a blast. It was, it was one of the neatest things I've ever done and so rewarding. And that's kind of why I wanted to do this podcast was I've over the years met so many amazing athletes that perhaps started as clinical patients or clinical clients but then went beyond that and became athletes and quite successful athletes. Wow okay so see that's pretty neat like the the fact that you uh, help rehabilitate like uh, cardio uh, patients or help with the uh, cardio rehabilitation process and you're also into like uh, the uh, the endurance sports and that whole cardiovascular. It, it, you've you've kind of got like the inside track on cardio health and how to uh, how that benefits how that transfers over into being like a uh, an athlete yourself, right? Exactly right. So I get to see both sides of it. So I still do some work with athletes, but uh, applying you know, what never used to be done with clinical populations to clinical populations, treating, um, case in point, uh, one of the guests I'm going to have on the show is the first heart trans recipient to complete an Ironman. And uh, basically, we trained him like we would train uh, an athlete. 
and just combining the two, the clinical component with the athletic component, it, it, it's really interesting to see what does and does not work. Okay, so I got a question for you then, and I'd like to fall back on you for my uh, cardio questions. Uh, we, we've got the kids here, Daly and Cage. They're somewhat active. Hockey for Cage, BMX racing for Daly. Great sports, I, I think, for fitness. You know, both sports, I think you're pretty much all out for like 90 seconds at a time, right? So, and your sons too, right? With the swimming and the skating that uh, and other things that they've competed in. High intensity for a short period, right? So, now that you have kids, like, do they lean on you? Do you steer them in a direction? What kind of, uh, what do you think of kids getting into endurance sports or when is when would be a good age to transition or is there such a thing ah, that's a great question hey you're totally throwing it back on me i think <laughs> that basically kids will and, and adults will fall into sports they have success success at so if daily's experience experiencing success at bmx she'll likely stick with bmx whereas if she um is is not being successful she's likely to pick up a different sport so those short high intensity bursts that she's doing well at uh, is her motivation to keep going at it so my boys though they started out in the short high intensity sports they really started to get better when they moved to longer distances so casey being a swimmer he's a distance swimmer uh, so he excels at, um, you know, the, the 400, 800, 1500. Cooper, uh, when he was skating, you know, they, they really didn't do well at the shorter s speed skating events. But when they got older, they got to move up to the longer distances, the 1500 to 3000, um, and even some 10K races. And they really got better at that. And again, that was their motivation. So... To answer your question, when do you introduce it to them? I don't think there's a bad time to introduce it to them, and most of the sport organizations now have long-term athlete development models where if the coaches are following the model, the kids will be introduced to appropriate sorts of training during appropriate, appropriate development times. Uh, and they tend to be, kids should be physically active, you know, we talk about, perhaps many of the listeners have heard about the anaerobic threshold or VO2 max. You don't have to work on that with kids, right? Daily goes out, hammers it for 90 sections. She's working her VO2 max. She doesn't need to think about it. Same with Cage on the ice. Goes out there, works hard, um, working at or near VO2 max or above VO2 max. And, and so we don't really need to coach them to do that with their physical activities. If they do a variety of activities, they'll they'll be able to, um, to, to, to train that system and, and improve it. You see, now that makes sense, right? Whenever I ask you a question, it's like right after you answer it, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense now. So anyway, sorry, back on track here. Uh, so I, I imagine with like what you do at work and stuff and everything that uh, you've done, um, you've, you've probably worked on some cool projects. I know, you know, I ask you fitness-related questions from time to time, as you may have noticed. Anyways. Uh... And I enjoy them. I wait for them to come. They're always challenging. Thank you. You're my fitness consultant, I guess. Uh, anyways, let, let us know about, uh, you know, like, can you tell us, like, what interesting things you've researched? 
Yeah, you bet. So as I mentioned, my background um, in, in my graduate work was in transplantation and specifically for my dissertation was kidney transplant recipients. So my project was six weeks of supervised exercise training, both strength and uh, aerobic training. And again, looking at the improvements in cardiovascular disease risk factors. What's awesome about this particular study and, and some of the other studies that I'll talk briefly about is that everybody who makes an effort improves. So anyone who came in, we did an initial VO2max test on them. We would exercise them for the six weeks, do an exit VO2max test, and everybody who made an effort improved. Now I say made an effort because oftentimes uh, situations arose where they weren't able to complete the training as we prescribed it, and we may not have seen an improvement in that. But anyone who had, who, who uh, came to the majority of the exercise sessions saw improvement. So there's always room for everyone to improve. And we saw that with the kidney transplant recipients, I had the, the um, the luxury to work with. We saw it with the heart transplant study. Really cool study that I was involved with there. Uh, if anybody out there knows what a Wingate test is, basically it's you cycle as hard as you can for 30 seconds. So in this particular study, we had individuals who had undergone heart transplants cycling as hard as they could for 30 seconds with 90 seconds rest doing up to uh, 15 intervals. And by the end, they were falling off the bike. They were giving her. It was it was awesome. And we just didn't have, you know, forty-five-year-old males who, whose heart went into failure because of uh, cardiomyopathy or some sort of disease. We had older women. We had a, I think she was over eighty years. No, she, pardon me. She was over seventy years old. Came in, and you know, if you can imagine, mom. Um, doing this kind of training, but they're all so willing to, to do it we asked of them and, and saw some amazing improvements in those ones as well. Okay, so earlier you mentioned the, uh, the guy that had the heart transplant and he ran yeah. the Ironman, right? Okay, so, and, okay, so these uh, people who have new organs, new hearts, new kidneys, um, do they have a different motivation when they go in then? Like you, you say they're riding till they fall off the bike. Were they like that before the transplant or is it, does this, you know, is this motivate them in any way to do things they haven't done before at all or? Uh, great question. So the goal of my next few podcasts is to interview uh Dr. Mark Haykowski, who was my advisor, uh, and worked uh, a lot with heart transplant recipients, and also talked to three heart transplant recipients who have completed Ironmans. And granted, when we do a exercise study, we get a, let's call it a selection bias. So we get individuals who are interested in exercising. There's probably a lot of heart transplant recipients out there who really don't care to get involved in vigorous exercise, but we never see them. So the ones who want to do the exercise, um, yeah, their motivation is, I think they've had this life-saving, life-altering procedure to qualify for a heart transplant. If I can take a step back, someone would need a 
the VO2 max of less than 14 millimoles um, per minute per kilogram of body weight. And that's about what you need to climb a flight of stairs. So you think about you know, working your VO2 max, going as hard as you can for three or eight minutes, uh, and then that's what it's like for you to climb a flight of stairs. You really can't do anything. Then you get this hard, uh, and things are a lot easier. Your VO2 goes up a bit, uh, but you've been so deconditioned over this long period of time waiting for the heart to become available. Uh, you, you, you've deconditioned and, and the training will gradually move you uh, back up there. So their motivation, it's different for everyone. Uh, ones who take this as an opportunity to make a change, they give it their all. And again, the other ones, unfortunately, I probably never got the opportunity to meet. Okay, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense, all right. But uh, now, like, I mentioned before that you're my fallback guy for fitness questions. So this one has been bugging me too, right? Um, I, I've always got these thoughts, you know, if I'm out for a ride or something, I'm thinking, I wonder, you know, and then I think I got to ask Ken that. And this is one of those questions that I've never asked you. So here we go. Okay. I don't know why I find this intriguing, but I do. Okay. So I would speculate that I get maybe about an hour of good cardio done on average per day in the summer, maybe like, so like seven hours a week, maybe, right? A decent Good. cardio work. But that's, I mean, in the summer, winter is a different story. Okay, so I, I pretend I can hold my own on the bike. Now, let's say you take someone like me. If they train hard, maybe weekend warrior style train hard, okay? Now, you get someone like uh, Lalisa DeCisa, world champion in the uh, marathon last year. Okay. Let's say you put me next to him on a bike I don't know, let's say 100 kilometers. You have to bet your firstborn, Cooper, on it. Who's going to win that race? Be honest. Won't hurt my feelings. Boy, Tim. Yeah, you're not supposed <laughs> to ask me these hard <laughs> questions. I would put 100K race. Yeah. To see stuff. Okay, yeah, fair okay. enough. Um, 40K, 30K. Uh, uh, I might put you in there. I think okay. they're, they're so good at these endurance events and holding an effort for uh, a long period of time. Um, I, I put my money on him. Now, granted, you're you're an awesome cyclist too. I don't think he's going to leave you in the dust, but I think he has that that ability to to maintain a, a tougher effort for a longer period of time. That being said, he's a runner. You're a cyclist, and there are advantages to. Um, there are advantages to being sports specific, but you know, if you took a provincial caliber running athlete compared to you, I'd put my money on you, but you're picking, you had to say something, what am I supposed to do? Okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, okay, and so as far as the podcast goes, like in the future, uh, going forward, what what kind of guests are you going to have on, on your podcast? Are they going to be amateurs, pros? Right. Well, I'm going, my goal is to make it um, uh, 
interesting. That's the, the most important thing. Uh, and from there, uh, I mentioned the next few episodes, I'm going to focus on looking at uh, some researchers who have worked with heart transplant recipients and then move towards the athletes who have completed as heart transplant recipients. Uh, and uh, that's our first sort of season or first series of episodes. I also have, uh, I'd like to move up to master's athletes. You and I now, I know you turned 50 this year, uh, so I will welcome you wholeheartedly to the 50-year-old club. What makes our training different than uh, when we were in our 20s? What can we change? What what doesn't work with masters athletes that works with 25 year olds? So the body changes as we age, and I want to talk to the experts and find out uh, what we can do. You know, is it we've got to do more resistance training? We've got to do shorter, harder efforts. Uh, I have some ideas, but I want to talk to the experts and find out what will really make a difference. And after that, you know, um, any kind of clinical population, there's a lot of uh, cancer survivors out there who are getting involved in sports, either reintroducing themselves or picking it up. Uh, virtually every condition, every disease, every clinical condition improves with exercise. And as a result of that, people who have these conditions part of the rehabilitation is exercise. So I've got friends over the course of the years I've in my studies I've met individuals who branched out into exercise and cancer, uh, exercise in pulmonary disease, exercise in uh, transplant, exercise in heart disease. And so to investigate those and see what's changing, what's new, what's what are we doing now that we never did before. Uh, Exercise is good for prevention, obviously, as well, right? That's Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, if we can, it's funny, talking about this um, COVID-19 uh, quarantine that we're in now. We're not really quarantined, we're physically distancing. Uh, we were watching the President of the United States on last night, and he was talking about how if Americans tried these two drugs, uh, forgive me, I can't remember the names of them, uh, but what what have they got to lose? You know, it might make a difference. Some people are saying it might work a little bit, but so it can't hurt to take the drug. So you should just take the drug. And Jennifer, my wife and I, Jennifer's a family doctor. She said, what if Donald Trump said, instead of these two drugs, you placed it with improved diet and exercise? Like, would that make your ability to overcome this disease uh, better? And I can honestly say that, well, I guess I haven't researched it, but I can say with more educated, more, ed, more an educated of a guess than Donald Trump, that uh, certainly these, that improved diet and improved exercise is going to reduce your risk for succumbing to COVID-19 or fend off um, cardiovascular disease. Certainly some people will get the diseases um, and in that case, exercise can help them recover from it. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. You know, like, you know, a good fitness foundation, I'm sure, can save you a lot of trouble down the road there. I was just uh, just thinking about, I wanted, I wanted to touch on diet, too, okay. and something more specifically. Um, 
we went out for a ride. I don't know if it was last summer or the summer before. But after the ride, I gave you a bottle of beetroot juice. And I said, man, I swear by this stuff. You know, like it, it, I don't know, it rejuvenates me or something. There's something going on. I feel like if I drink the beetroot juice before a ride, I got a great ride. I don't know if it's a placebo effect or what's going on there. Did you drink the placebo juice or did the placebo juice? Did you drink the uh, beetroot juice? I did. Did it work? I did, what do you, what? I did drink the beetroot juice and I did not buy another bottle. Oh. <laughs> uh, again, I... I, I, when you gave me the bottle, I, I did a little research into the effects of beetroot juice, and there is some promising um, reasons for taking it. Uh, but off the top of my head, and I'm gonna come through this mic and get you for asking me that. But uh, you gotta give me a little heads up so I can. Oh, I'm glad you asked me because I don't know everything, but but certainly there is. I do remember some research saying that there's some 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 benefits of taking the beetroot juice before exercise. Well, fair enough. I'm no dietitian here, right? And it it tastes like dirt anyway, so. It tastes like the root. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, going forward, so how can we follow the how can we follow the uh, podcast or follow you or is it just on Strava or anywhere else? Yeah, well, I'm on Strava, Kenneth Reese, uh, and please follow me there. I don't um, I'm always a little suspect of when I follow someone and that says you you can wait to see if this person will allow you to follow them, but I don't know. You can come follow me, whatever. Uh, and I'm setting up a new website, a website called clinicalathletes.com. Uh, hopefully I have that up in the next few weeks. And from there I'll link to some, uh, my. Uh, we'll have an Instagram Feed for that uh, Twitter feed as well. All right, sounds good. Thanks for letting me be part of this. This was fun. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, let, now let me. Um, so, since you were asking me questions, I'm going to close the interview with asking you some questions. So, I find that in a oh. lot of these podcasts, um, people finish up the interview with a question. Uh, and this is going to be the question that I ask all the guests that I have on the show. Uh, I expect that most of the guests are going to be athletes. So, uh, Tim, you're a cyclist. Uh, you consider yourself a cyclist. I say that because I know you run as well, but I think cycling is, is your love. Uh, what would be your, your go-to ride? You can ride anywhere in the world. You've heard of a million different rides. You've watched a million different races. What would be your dream ride? Are you talking about something that I would love to do at some point in my life or something that I've already done? Uh, well, if you've done it already, sure. But if you, I mean, if there's like, I'm okay. going to throw like Von 2, right? Have you ever wanted to do Von 2? Okay. You know what? I've, I've, there's part of me that's always wanted to ride up uh, Tourmalet or Alpe d'Huez. Okay. Now, if you had to choose one, yeah. Tourmalet or Alpe d'Huez. Alpe d'Huez. I'm going to go Alpe d'Huez. Okay. Um, okay. But I would say of all the rides that I've ever done, there's uh, there's a mountain just outside of a Soyuz BC. Um, oh, what's the name of it again? Anarchist Mountain. That's, that's my favorite ride I've ever done in my life. Okay, you told me about that one last year. And our brother... Yep. Our oldest brother, John, lives in the Okanagan, and uh, so we'll go down and visit him. And I love the riding out there. There's 
Yeah, okay, I gotta do that anarchist because I know it's a big ride down there and I don't know why I haven't done it yet. But this year, if I can get out of social distancing and get in the car and go to the Okanagan, I'm doing it too. It's a leg burner. I hope so, a lung burner too. <laughs> Maybe we'll head down together. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. All right, Tim. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, the time you took to do this for me. And we'll, maybe we'll have you as a recurring guest. We'll talk about some exploits that you're doing. Oh, oh you know what else I wanted to mention? It would be my pleasure. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I wanted to mention was being that I, I work at Nate and I have a laboratory there. And another goal of this site, this blog, we might branch out to, uh, to a webcast where we have some video. But I have the opportunity to evaluate a lot of products. So um, one of the things I evaluated in the past was a running shoe with a spring in it. It wasn't that one that the Nike Sub 2 group ran on. But uh, I was able to see um, if, if there was an improvement in running economy. Uh, wearing this shoe and and I really enjoy doing that kind of thing so those are the kind of things I'm gonna do a little bit of as well so interspersed in here we'll have some product evaluations so if anybody has a product that and I'll end up paying for them so it can't be like something really expensive but, but uh, if you'd like a, a product evaluated I'll get a few students to run it through my lab and uh, it's not my lab it's Nate's lab but we'll do it through there and uh, yeah, another goal of the podcast. Excellent. That's an excellent idea. And you know, uh, you know, when it comes to, uh, I like to think that I got a little, uh, well, I don't know if it's panache, but I like to make sure I'm wearing the right socks with the cycling outfit. So if you ever need any information uh, in that area, yeah, well, feel free to give me a call. Yeah, we had you whip off of VO2 a couple years ago. Maybe it's time to get you in. <laughs> Yeah, I need a little more work. Yeah, but yeah, that'd be fun. That was good. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks again, Tim. Appreciate it. Say hi to the wife and family. I'm sorry I took you away from them in this uh, physical distancing for, for an hour, but I appreciate the effort you made. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Kim. All right, Tim. We'll talk to you soon. You bye, bet. bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Clinical Athletes Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you need more information, check out the clinicalathletes.com website.